All right, I'm, um, I'm going to start a little bit slow because I have two messages on my heart, and I believe the Lord wants us in Matthew 25, so turn there. But if I say Ezra chapter 3, then you'll know the, <laughs> the switch flipped. And so um, if, if it's not Ezra 3 tonight, it should be tomorrow night. I just want to be obedient and uh, make sure that, that uh, I'm in the direction that the Lord has and wants for us. And I think that's really important, and um, I like uh, heading into missions conference on a high note. I don't know when your missions conference is, but we have, I like to call it a mission revival, and uh, just get the heart stirred up about it, and uh, praise God for it. And uh, missions is very obviously dear to my heart after spending years on the mission field and uh, being a part of it, and kind of what I found out as a missionary um, it really is just you have to be obedient to the Lord, and it's, it's, uh, you can find bad things in missions and bad things in the pastorate and, and all of that. We, we found out there were some bozo missionaries out there, amen, and uh, really kind of unbelievable uh, things that we saw. And uh, so we, we figured it, that's not my, my business or my issue. The Lord's going to take care of all that. And what I have to do is focus on the Lord. And you know, I came back and began to pastor in, in 2007. It was my first pastorate. I'd grown up as a PK, as a preacher's kid. And, you know, you think you got all kinds of great ideas being a preacher's kid and knowing all this stuff. And then, well, guess what? <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit different, amen? And so I found out there's some bozo pastors, amen? And uh, there's some bozo church members, Amen? So I keep everybody humble tonight, so we all fit in. <laughs> we all fit in there somewhere, right? And uh, so it's it's being faithful, it's serving the Lord and walking with Him. And uh, you know, in our flesh, we we tend to look at titles and positions and things like that. I don't really think God's too impressed with with uh, whatever fills in the blank behind our name or before it. Uh, I do think He's looking at the heart. I do think He's very interested in. And uh, who we are and where we are in our walk with him, our relationship with him. And uh, Matthew chapter 5 is a very familiar story, parable that Jesus uh, gave. And I've heard this preached hundreds of times growing up. Matthew chapter 25. I've heard this preached many, many times. Did I say 5? Yeah, that's not the right one. It's 25. Let's try 23. Maybe there's a good one there. (laughs) I do this all the time at home, and I'll come home, and, my, and there's this certain look that all the ladies in my house have, and I knew there's a phrase that they're about to say when I see that look on their faces, Dad, do you know what you said? <laughs> Obviously not, <laughs> and at this point, I'm thinking I probably don't want to know, <laughs> but I do, know, I do find out because they, they are kind enough to share that with me, amen, for my future benefit. Amen. All right, Matthew 25. I want to say thank you to the uh, church family. Uh, There's a great spirit here. And um, I know, uh, you know, growing up around leadership all of my life, I know that things rise and fall on leadership. um, But uh, if folks aren't willing to follow, then it's kind of hard to lead. And so uh, I, the, the spirit of the church family is tremendous. And uh, it, that, you know, I, I meet Brother Williams, and I know that it didn't just originate with Brother 
uh, Brooks, I, I know that there's, there's long-term. And, and uh, at my church at Grace, uh, I didn't start it. Uh, I didn't build the foundation of that church. Uh, I came in, and it was a hurting church because of the, the hurricane, Katrina, that, that swept through all the military families were all transferred out of Keesler. They thought about shutting the base down. Uh, the Coast Guard, they had just built a Navy home port. They were, they've shut that down pretty much. It's kind of used somewhat with the Coast Guard. And so we have the, the, those two. We have the CB base. We have Army, the National Guard. And then we have an Army base uh, up north of us. And uh, so we've got a lot of military influence in our area. And a lot of military were moved at that time frame. And uh, for our church back then, that was about half of the church family. And uh, so uh, when I came, we went from uh, furlough in uh, the previous furlough with uh, $170,000 Faith Promise missions to uh, 30 people on a Sunday night. And uh, we're using up everything that was left in the savings account to try to keep all the missionaries supported. And uh, we're in a full-on rebuild mode across the board. And uh, so... Uh, I understand that, that uh, Pastor Gary is now leading, and, and he is the man that God has prepared and brought here, and thank God for that. But I appreciate the spirit of the church and the heart of the church, uh, just the things the family said and sang. I mean, that's, unless somebody paid him on the side, I don't know about. I mean, <laughs> uh, that's just a blessing. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up in uh, the north on the New England side, and, uh, you know, coming up to Rapid City, I'm kind of in my mind trying to get wrapped around what's it going to be like in this church, you know, preaching to folks here and meeting folks. And, you know, in New England growing up, there, there was no amens. This was a good amen. amen. <laughs> and if you, <laughs> if you got a holy grunt out of somebody, it was, that was near revival. If somebody said, hmm. That was like a southerner running a lap around the building, you know. <laughs> so I went south, and I thought, oh, my goodness, these people are crazy. And I went into some prayer rooms where everybody prayed at the same time out loud, and I'm like, and so I know it's different all around, but singing to me is the heartbeat of, you know, what the spirit of the church is going to be like. And uh, when I went to Grace, I told the folks, I do not care what you sound like, but you better be louder than me. I want to hear singing. Amen. Amen. Open letter, open up and let her rip, whatever you want to call it. I mean, God gave you a voice, and I don't want to hear people cheering at the ball game louder than they cheer the service on and the Lord on in church. And so uh, we want to we see the lights move a little bit when we sing. And so that's, that's where we're at. So when I hear... The music crank up, and then I hear people singing. Oh, yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew 25. It is 25. All right, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a, a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, and unto them he gave five talents to another two and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, 
Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou, thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take, therefore, the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Father, thank you tonight once again that we can be in your house. Lord, that we can worship you, hear from you. Father, we can open the word of God with freedom and liberty and preach and proclaim the wonderful truths that we find in this book. I pray, God, that you'll bless Meet with us tonight. Stir our hearts, Father, once again. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do, for it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now, after, again, like I said, I've read this story many times over the years and uh, heard it, and a lot of times it's all focused on what a person can do and should do and all of that. But I want to pull some lessons from this passage, and uh, the, the theme for the, the meeting for the year is Believe to See. And uh, starting last night, the abundance of faith, that thought is going to intertwine its way through the messages this week. And uh, sometimes it just takes faith, I would say all the time, it takes faith for you and I to be obedient with what God has given us and use it for His honor and glory. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, our illustration is the story that we've read tonight. Jesus is trying to teach a lesson, and the lesson is this. And he started out in the beginning, and he said that every one of them were given according to their several abilities, meaning to say that every one of them had something to offer and actually more than one thing. And so uh, we look at it and we say, okay, the talent. And, you know, when I was a little kid, I thought the talent was, you know, maybe they could play an instrument, and that's a good talent. Maybe they could play a sport or they were good in school, but... That's not really the talent he was talking about, amen? And so uh, doing a little bit of digging, you find out that this was no light or little thing. Uh, one talent, and uh, I went through and, and did a little of research. Bible Gateway uh, gave some thoughts on it. Uh, a talent was basically uh, the equivalent to, I guess, um, a year's late, no, how many years? 20 years of day labor's wages. And uh, if you kind of bring that into modern day currency, you could say, uh, that that would be $20,000 a year for a minimum wage or somewhere around there, depending upon your state and what city you live in and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so you think about it, 20 years of, of salary added up and then uh, given that times five and times two and times one. And so these folks were entrusted with a huge sum of money. And then the owner leaves. Now, this is not how business is done in America in 2020 that I know of. 
I've never had a boss come up to me and say, uh, here's a quarter million dollars. I'm going to be back in a few years. Do something with it. <laughs> quarter million dollars? Thank you. <laughs> Let me see what I can do. Uh, so they were entrusted with a lot. And so what I want to do is, is, is focus in, and I want to maybe look at it from a different perspective tonight. But the thought that the Lord laid in my heart in studying this is uh, this focus or this thought of the lowly duty of faithfulness. You know, a lot of times we put things accomplished in the spotlight. But I want to pull the spotlight off of the splash and the bright light and and the, the big event, and I want to bring the spotlight down to duty. You see, believing to see is going to require for you and I to have the faith that God is correct and His Word is right and He's leading us in a direction. He has something for us. We don't know how long it's going to take to accomplish it. We don't see the end from the beginning. And so when we go through the trial, through the valley, through the difficult, through the storm in our lives, we may not know what's around the corner or how it's going to work out, but we've got to believe that God does and keep on keeping on. And that's where so many, unfortunately, so many Christians lose sight. They drop out just before. Listen, we can't drop out. The Lord needs us. And so with this thought, what I want to do is share some lessons that I learned from it. And that is, number one, faithfulness can be anybody's virtue. I don't know about you, but the disciples are kind of a thrill to me. You're unlearned and ignorant men. <laughs> That's what the officials thought of them. And then they turn around and the power of God worked through them in mighty ways. Amen. How many times did Jesus have to say, you guys don't get it. <laughs> it is not the sack lunch. I sent you into Samaria to reap a harvest. Lift up your eyes and look. Would you please look? So the disciples kind of encouraged me. That means that God can use anybody. Amen. You don't have to have some some title behind your name or some pedigree to rely upon or some connection here or there. You just have to say, Lord, here am I. You know, I go through in in, in preparing for this, kind of looking back over my life, and uh, some of my heroes are not names that you'll ever hear anywhere or be listed out on on a placard or a billboard or anything like that. One of my heroes is my dad. My dad's home in heaven with the Lord, and uh, he passed away 2010. Uh, It was a great shock. Uh, Dad was a church planter for 50 years up in the New England states. He finally came down south in 2008, and he went replanting a church on the West Bank of New Orleans. And so there he was. There were, uh, I think, 13 people or so that voted him in, and uh, they had a little building, but there was nobody, hadn't been a pastor for years, and uh, they were just, the the thing was a mess. And so uh, Dad just dug in, and so he and I were talking, and we had opened our Bible Institute, and Dad was coming over on Tuesday night and teaching in our Bible Institute and going back home, and and, uh, we were supporting him and trying to help out with the work over there and uh, trying to support and all that, and... um, Our plan was he was going to take five years, reestablish the work, get a pastor in there, and then come over to be with the grandkids. Amen? 
Not the kids, <laughs> the grandkids, okay? I understood. I saw how it worked. I got it, amen? And so, <laughs> you know, I walk in, shake dad's hand, give him a hug. He walks right by me and picks up the, yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, grandparents are different than parents. I understand all of that. So uh, anyway, our plan was dad's going to turn the work over, come over and, and run the Bible Institute and uh, do some preaching out. And, and I was going to get to work together with my dad. We were excited. He came over on Tuesday night and uh, the first, last week of November in 2010, he taught in the Bible Institute and uh, we had lunch on Wednesday and uh, he went home and preached Wednesday night and Thursday morning, woke up, wasn't feeling good, massive heart attack, went home to be with the Lord. And I look at my dad's life and here's a man that uh, when, when he died and we began to spread the word out, I kept getting these phone calls. This guy called me from Massachusetts. He said, uh, I'm sorry I can't be at the funeral, but I want you to know what your dad meant to me. He said, uh, it was terrible November, cold, sleeting weather outside. And this guy walked up with a hat and a long coat on and knocked on my door. And I thought, if anybody's crazy enough to come out in this weather, I got to at least see what he's all about. And so... I let this guy, and, and he starts talking to me about the Lord. He said, well, I've been in religion all my life, and so I was kind of getting agitated and trying to think of a way to, to, uh, to get him out of the house, he said, but he, you know, he, didn't, he, didn't, he just wasn't pushy. He just talked to me, and then he kept coming back, and he said, I trusted Christ as my Savior. We were preaching up at a, I was preaching up at a church in Maine, and, and this family walked up to me, and I looked at him. I recognized the family, and I was like kind of surprised that they were there. My dad was planting a church in Sanford, Maine, and uh, this couple came in, and, and uh, they were a multi-talented family, and the guy had a good job, and all this stuff to offer the church, and, and uh, they were going to start a choir, and the lady had a wonderful voice, and it's all going to be wonderful, and come to find out the guy had been saved and, and uh, baptized in a Pentecostal church and wanted to join, and dad said, you can't join unless you get baptized because you have to be scripturally baptized. Well, they went back and forth for a couple of weeks in a huff and left. Boom. The guy looked me in the eye and he said, because your dad took a stand, I got saved. <laughs> it hurt going through it. But he said, I was trusting in what the Pentecostal church taught, thinking all the words were matching up and sounding like what your dad was asking me. Everything was okay. But the, when he wouldn't accept my baptism, he said, I went home as mad as I could be. I mean, I had this good job. I got this good income. Who is this preacher in this little rinky-dink church telling me what's right and what's wrong? I know too. Except I started studying. The Spirit of God wouldn't let me go. And boom, he got saved. Hallelujah. And still faithful in church today. Hallelujah. And listen, anybody can have the wonderful virtue of faithfulness. My dad didn't have degrees behind his name that the world would recognize. He had earned Bible degrees from college and seminary and all of that, but that they didn't equate to anything in social standing or financial standing. My point being is this. My dad put his hand to the plow and never looked back from the time he got saved. You say, well, praise God for that. But I think last night I kind of shared what he got saved from. Did I share about that last night? Okay. My dad was, well, I don't want to take too much time. 
Dad was in the Navy, drunk, two packs a day, cigarettes, destroyer stationed in the Mediterranean all around there. He was the sailor that spoke like a sailor, drank like a sailor, lived like a sailor, and uh, wanted to make that a career. Korean War was about to start, and his CO said, uh, you either got to re-up because our destroyer's going, or you got to get out. What's your plan? He said, I want to go get my degree, get back in and go through officer training school, become an officer, and make this a career. And he said, all right, you're out of here. So dad got out at that point in time, went home, and his mom looked at him, been praying for him for years, and she said, we're having revival. You're going to church with me tonight. And dad couldn't say no to mama. So he went to revival, and the preacher got up and preached on Mephibosheth and the land of no bread and the king sitting at the king's table and, and, uh, and bruised and, and maimed from a fall and, and being reunited and restored and all of that. And my dad got saved and called to preach the same night, went home and poured the booze out, throw the cigarettes away, never went back to it one time. Faithful. Faithful to the Lord, 50 years of preaching the gospel. Faithful to his wife and his family and the Lord all those years. Listen, anybody can be faithful. We went to the Philippines in 97 and we were helping. A, I was working with Rock of Ages prison ministry, going in prison work. But on the weekend, I was helping another missionary plant a church. And uh, he was over there in Bacolod City. And so uh, one Saturday we got up, got ready, went out. And I said, hey, brother, where's soul winning going to be uh, today? And so we went out for Saturday soul winning. And uh, we went down 13th Street, right off of Laxon Street, which is the main street. Bacolod's 500,000 people. We would think in America it's a huge city. And uh, two blocks off of the main street, there's all these huts. Just little shanty town. Everything's thrown together. And... Uh, Brother Chris said, I'm going to go this way, you go this way. So I started walking around there, and I came into this little clearing, and there's a, a community water pump. And there's this little girl squatted there, and uh, she's washing dishes. Her brother's pumping the pump. And uh, so I walked up and started talking to him. And uh, long story short, Nanette trusted Christ as her Savior. Nanette, about a year later, she came to my wife. She said, can, can, uh, do you need any help? Would you, can, can you hire somebody? And uh, we didn't want foreigners or nationals working in our home and, and all that. And so, uh, but the Lord touched my wife's heart and said, you know, dig a little deeper. So Nanette had gotten saved and baptized. She began to grow in the Lord. And uh, she wanted to finish school so she could go to Bible college. And uh, she needed money to finish public schooling over there. So she wanted to get a job because her parents looked at her. And this is the superstitions of the Philippines. She had a little gap in the front of her teeth. And uh, she, in, in superstition there, if you have a gap in the front of your teeth, uh, she, the, her parents said to her, uh, you're going to be a prostitute. That's your future. You don't need a schooling and an education for that. That's what her mom and dad said to her face as a 14, 13, 14-year-old girl. And she wanted to go to school, to high school, and finish so she could go on to college. And so we hired her to do some work around the house and, and, and paid the school bill for her to go. Today, Nanette is winning souls for Christ in the prisons in Bacolod City. She fought opposition all the way through. Her family came from a, a, Assemblies of God background. Her parents were drunks. Nanette, I was preaching on Mother's Day after furlough in 2001, uh, watching the church for the other missionary, or 2002, excuse me, 
Mother's Day, her mama came to church for Nanette and during the invitation raised her hand and I looked over at Nanette and Nanette's already, boom, the faucet's turned on, the, the tears are flowing. And I said, Nanette, would you like to go talk to your mom? Yes, Pastor. Ah. And she got to lead her mama to the Lord. Her brother got to lead her daddy to the Lord. They've seen relatives come to know Christ as Savior. What am I saying? Nanette was a nobody and her own family looked at her and said, you're worth nothing to us. And yet, when she said yes, by faith, she looked past her current circumstances, her situation, and she said, I'm worth more than this. God can use my life. Anybody, anybody, anywhere can be used of God. You say, I'm waiting for a call, and I'm waiting for this, and I'm waiting for that. Why don't you just wait on God? Why don't you just look and see what he has? Get in this book and find him. He's not going to lead you astray. Say, well, you know, I'm, I'm waiting on the will of God. Amen. You're going to be waiting a long time. For some. You think... As you grow older, you'll learn the deeper things. And you find out the deeper things are really the simple things. Our daughter Becky, when she was little, always wanted to go with dad. Always wanted to go with dad. We'd be in the Philippines, got to go somewhere. Dad, can I go? Dad, can I go? Dad, can I go? All right. If I'm going to prison, you can't go back. Sorry. <laughs> You're underage. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I'd be going to run an errand. So, all right, we'll, we'll go as soon as we got in the car. Now, Becky is our organizer. She's our administrator in the Philippines. They call that the Ate. She's the older sister who is the boss and in charge and all that. Amen. And everybody listens to the Ate or they pay the price. All right. So now that we got the, de the designations out of the way, amen. So uh, anyway, <laughs> all the big sisters are smiling. Amen. That's right. So uh, anyway, we get in the car. Where are we going, Dad? It's like she's going to write it down in a thing so she can check her list off. You know, that's just who she is, you know. And so uh, I'm like, sometimes I'm going to play a little game here, try to teach a lesson, see what she, you know, try to figure. So it doesn't matter where we're going, Becky. You said you wanted to go with me. What he's trying to say. <laughs> so we joke about it a little bit. And so I'm, I'm, it's one of those situations in life where you're, you're almost outside of the situation. This may sound weird to some, but I, I'm, I'm a people watcher. I like to study and try to learn that way by dissecting things and looking at what's going on around me. And so it's kind of like I step back from the scene and I'm watching. I'm, I'm picturing myself in the position of Becky and my heavenly father listening to me rant on about all these questions that don't really mean a thing. You see, here's the fact. When we got to where we were going, Becky was with me and she got there. Where's my heavenly father taking me? I don't always know. But I know this, if I'm walking with him every single day, when he gets there, I'm there with him. And that's all there is to it. Well, you want to know what God's will is? Get up in the morning and open that book and spend some time with him. Spend some time in prayer with him. Live obedient to him all throughout the day. Die to self. Surrender to the Lord. Walk in the spirit and just by faith obey. Anybody, anybody, anywhere can be faithful. Number two, faithfulness demands courage. Simple thoughts. 
Faithfulness de- demands courage. Now, when we think about faithfulness, or excuse me, when we think about courage, uh, we think about all these big people with the, you know, the no fear kind of mentality, and they're the, the people that can just break the wall down and conquer and all of that. You know, they're courageous people, amen? I preached a message to our young people first, and I've, I've preached it at church years ago about Daniel. Young people, read Daniel about 12 or 15 times. Daniel is the handbook on maturity. What I realized in reading Daniel is that courage is not the absence of fear. It is the focusing of fear. In the first trial in Daniel's life, he was in a a lion's den where the mouths of the lions weren't shut. He was around his peers. And Daniel knew in his heart he shouldn't eat the king's meat or drink the king's wine. And all of his friends were. And Daniel said, I'm more afraid of what God thinks than what my friends think. And so by faith, with courage, because you see, walking by faith is really courage. Being faithful takes courage. Daniel passed the test. Then he faced another test. The king says, uh, all right, all you wise guys, uh, uh, I want you to interpret my dream. And all the... Chaldeans and the soothsayers and all got together. It was like, oh, king, live forever. Tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. And the king said, that's the problem. I forgot the dream. <laughs> and here's your problem. If you don't tell me what it means, I'm going to kill you. Most people don't do well under a threat. I don't think Daniel was afraid of losing his own life. I think he was afraid of his friends losing their lives. And it helped him to stay focused. And he went to God with a clear mind and a clear heart. He wasn't so overwrought with emotions and anxiousness and and strife and worry and fear in his heart. He could go to the Lord and hear from God. God gave him the interpretation of the dream. Daniel got promoted. The test didn't stop as Daniel grew into his old age. He faced a test, the test of his religion, one of the hardest tests of all. And uh, the king passed a decree. You know, it was a setup. We know the story. No prayer for 30 days. You see, once again, Daniel exercised courage, but he did so by fearing the right thing. You see, Daniel was more afraid of 30 days without prayer than he was of the mouths of the lions. And so... Using fear, he focused and with courage made the right choice. Listen, it takes courage. It takes courage to live as a Christian in 2020. You go out into the public arena and go to work, go to shop, go anywhere, and the Spirit of God is going to touch your heart and say, Hey, they need the gospel. What are you going to do about it? I don't know about you, but... I've got relatives. All your relatives in church and walking with God? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I'm just going to let you think about it for a moment, but you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes one of our biggest struggles in walking with the Lord or trying to is trying to do so around family members. Lost loved ones or... Save loved ones or save loved ones that just don't want to walk with the Lord. And what do you do? 
Well, you're so judgmental. Yeah, you're holier than we are. It takes courage to stand up to that and not back down and say, I know, I know, you know, it's just, you know, I don't want to spend too much time there. It takes courage to be faithful. It takes courage to be faithful. Bus ministry. I guess y'all run buses. Are you running them now? Or, Amen. We're about to start ours back up. We haven't run them. Ocean Springs is an artsy, craftsy town, and there's all this liberal, oh, my goodness. And so we want to be able to work in and minister to our community. And we've been praying, asking God for wisdom as to when to start it up and how long to hold off on it. Uh, we don't want to hurt the name of Christ by people thinking we don't care about the masses, we're just one of those Trumpites or something like that. And, uh, you know, and I understand it's all media and politics, but you understand what I'm saying. I live there, and I'm going to be pastoring there for years to come, Lord willing, and 10 years from now I want to still be able to knock on those doors and talk to those people without them thinking the wrong thoughts about us as far as this goes. And so uh, the bus ministry is work. It takes diligence, it takes duty, it takes faithfulness week after week after week. And sometimes when you work in the bus ministry and you see the kids, and you're like, is it really worth it? You know, you know what, it, are the kids getting it? And I'm saying, yes, the kids get it. You come to our church, you say, how many of you are in church today because of the bus ministry? 20, 30% of the congregation are going to raise their hand. That's us. My bus director was my bus kid. Amen. We were out, and we wanted to start a route in the north part of Ocean Springs, and so we went out knocking doors, and the day we were going to run the bus, the bus broke down and wouldn't start. <laughs> Typical for Independent Baptist, the bus was 50 years old or something like that, you know, held together, bondo and straps and tie and all that kind of stuff, and you get in there and crank, crank, crank till the battery went down. Anyway, so we had one of those beautiful blue Dodge caravans that they made 50 million of, and I uh, would come chunking up into the house, and uh, out walks Donnie Hagen and his younger brother Chris. Hallelujah. Brother Donnie is my deacon, one of my deacons. He takes care of the Patch Club ministry. He's my bus director, nursing home. He married Pastor Hoover's daughter from uh, Milwaukee area of Wisconsin. And uh, they have three beautiful children. Three, right? No, no more on the way? Okay. Anyway, this, anyway, so <laughs> we, we're teasing back and forth with them. So um, listen, the bus ministry works, but it takes courage. It takes courage, and you have to keep going. You have to keep going. And so uh, what a blessing to know, first of all, that any human being can be faithful. Anyone. But understand this, if you're going to be faithful, it's not just... You wake up one morning, flip a switch, and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to be faithful. Guess what? You're going to be tested. And they're not going to stop for a while. And sometimes they're going to be quite heavy. And you're going to find out whether or not you're really being faithful. Because being faithful includes that little word, faith. My parents were, had pastored in, in church planted, and when they moved to Sanford, Maine, uh, Dad had just gone in. He'd, he'd left New York State. He went and took a church. He only did this twice, and both times the same thing happened. 
It was an old ABC church. They said, oh, we want to come out of the convention, be an independent Baptist church. You know, we don't want to continue to lose members. We want to start growing again and all of this. So up to Waterboro, Maine, we go. And uh, that went good for about a year till soul went in and bus started and the congregation doubled in size and those in power began to lose control of the power. And uh, all of a sudden, boom, there's a vote. So dad said, I'm not here to fight. I'm going to go down the road and start a church with folks who want to have church. And so we left down, went down, and for the first time in their married lives, my parents bought a house. And they've been married for years now because this is an 81, 82 time frame. We had some family come in from the church. Dad had started in New York for Thanksgiving. They drove up. We were having friends over, having a great time. Thanksgiving Day, uh, the day after, we split up. Some of us went to the mall, and uh, my parents and their, uh, their parents went to uh, visit my grandparents, and, you know, just family time. Came back home that evening, came around the corner, and there's fire trucks in my subdivision. Cool, let's go see the fire trucks. <laughs> the problem is they're in front of my house. First house my parents ever bought, burned. That's not bad enough. Dad, always looking to save a penny, had changed insurance companies. Policy ran out on the 23rd. The new one was supposed to start the same week, but the agent went on vacation, had all the paperwork and the check all there. They didn't honor it because the check never got deposited, never paid. So the house burned and no insurance. It doesn't take very long to find out how attached you are to your earthly things when you lose I don't know what all the purpose for the house burning is, but I know this. Two things happened from it. Number one, I realized that all the junk I had really didn't mean a whole lot. Because we moved on, gained some new stuff, everything was fine. Number two, that was the house burn in 1983-84 time frame. In 2005, I was preaching a youth conference and an a anniversary Sunday in Cebu City it's about 14,000 people at Bible Baptist Church that morning. There's a whole sea of people. I had never used that illustration before, and I shared the story of my parents' house burning, and this little old lady came to the altar crying. She thought only good things happened to white people. And she trusted Christ as her Savior because a house burned in 1983. Those are things that only God can do. But he can take the tragedy, he can take the trial, and he can work it around if we will live faithful through it and continue on. And listen, sometimes it's going to take courage. You walk into your house and you look around and the walls were still there, the things were still there, but anything in the house that was left behind, my dad's, uh, the house was on the, the fire was on the right side, my parents' room was upstairs on the left side of the house, and my dad's suits melted to the hangers and, and it just puddles in the floor. And I mean, it, the heat was so intense and it, it went on. And so there was nothing left. And you look around and, and, and it's all in ashes and, and, and puddles and piles and all of that. And you ask yourself, why God? Why are we asking God why? A better question is what God? What do I need? What are you trying to teach me? What do I need to let go of? What are you trying to do in my life? It takes courage to trust God. It takes courage to lift up our eyes 
and look past this to see what God might be doing. Number three, faithfulness in our story is a rewarded capacity. Now, I don't know when God always rewards because sometimes it takes a while. And some of our rewards are going to be in glory. I don't know Brother Williams very well. I just met him personally for the first time tonight just to talk. How many years have you been preaching, Brother Williams? 14. 15. That's a lot of years. There's a reward. <laughs> Glory. Many of you have been saved for years, walked with the Lord, tried to raise kids, tried to reach, influence, help. I don't know about you, but my dad was faithful all those years, and at one point in his life, three of his four sons were off drinking alcohol, partying, living in the world. Two two of the three are, well, you know Brother Steve, (laughs) amen. Lord turned his life around. The night before his wedding, my wife got to lead Christy to the Lord, sitting in a little old Ford Ranger out in the driveway. (laughs) God can do good things in a Ford, amen. (laughs) And Steve, what a blessing to see God work in his life and see him grow and and be used of the Lord. And uh, my brother Adam came back to to the Lord, got his life right. I got to uh, evangelist on Veterans Day about three years ago got to lead him to the Lord finally after all these years. Amen. And I got to baptize my older brother. Amen. I've seen a lot of parents beat themselves up over the years because of decisions their kids made. Sometimes you might ought to read Isaiah chapter 1. The Bible says that the Lord raised up himself some children and some of his children went away, went astray. Now, I'm paraphrasing. You can go back and read it. I think it's verse 2. That tells me a perfect parent does not always raise perfect children because children are going to make their own decisions at times. And some of those decisions may break our hearts. Parents, don't give in with your children. If they're making decisions that are taking them away from the Lord, and I don't know any of this church family. Brother Brooks has not said to me one word about what any family in the church is going through, what's going on, or what's happening. But I know this. I've watched families in my church get out of church because they were trying to meet their children where they were to prove to their children that they love them, to try to love them back to the Lord. doesn't work. I've seen it in marriages. One spouse wants to make a decision to go away from the Lord, the other spouse says, well, I'll go and join them and prove to them how much I care and love them so that they'll see my side and love me as much as I love them, and then we'll get back in church. Doesn't happen. I'm telling you this, sometimes the courage is fighting the tears. It's going through the heartbreaks. God rewards faithfulness. The man was entrusted with five talents. He doubled it, and the Lord praised him, gave him ten more. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, thou good and faithful steward, servant. 
We may not see the reward right away. But I'm telling you, one of the things that pushes me on in life, I look and I watch as, as things go on around me. I, there was a man that took a church not far from us. Dear brother, we had great fellowship for a while. And uh, all of a sudden, we had to unfollow them on social media. Uh, the, the guy's making decisions, and I went over to the church to see him, and uh, he put, he's got a sleeve tattoo, and I mean, just, I don't know where he's going. It breaks your heart. Why? What's the purpose? Try to reach a group of people and connect with them? I, I mean, what does it get you? Taking a stand, just being faithful in these everyday things. Listen, I'm telling you, it takes courage. But don't think that God's not watching what you're going through. Don't think for a moment that God doesn't see the tears that stain the pillows at night. As parents pray over children, as parents wonder what's going to happen next. Taking a stand at work, is it going to affect your employment? What about if the Lord begins to move in your heart and say, listen, you're the family that I want to go and take that work over here or go and plant another church over here or go to that mission field over there. And it's just the heart's racing and the mind's racing. And what do I do? What do I, I'm telling you, God rewards faithfulness. And when you go down the road a ways and you look back and say, yeah, there's going to be times of stumbling. Uh, we're not perfect. But when we can look back over years of faithfulness and walking with the Lord, we can begin to see the wonderful ways in which God blessed and helped and met needs and restored, ministered to others and ministered to us. It is worth it to serve the Lord. It is worth it to stay faithful. It is worth it to do our duty year in and year out, day after day, week after week, month after month. It is worth it. It may not feel like it's worth it right now. But can I just share a secret with you? The devil is recorded in the Bible as being the father of lies, correct? He did not start telling the truth in 2020. You can just bank on it. He's not on your side, and he doesn't understand how you feel. He just wants you to think that. Last statement. Faithfulness is associated with joy. There's eternal rewards for being faithful. There's rewards on this earth for being faithful. But I also know this, when you get around Christians that are faithful, there is a joy within. I don't like being around Eeyore Christians, that's what I call them at my home church, amen? You know what I'm talking about? Nobody loves me, it's all bad, nobody cares. <laughs> Man, put a smile on your face. <laughs> Brother Zeb used to say, fake it till you make it, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, being faithful, there's something about seeing God do some things and building our faith and walking with him. As you study scripture, you find it being faithful. There's a joy associated with it. Man, listen, sometimes the joy comes out in tears of joy. Amen. I like being around tender hearted people. 
It's, it's real easy to get hard out in that world. It is real easy to get critical, judgmental, and just want to say, boom, I'll tell you what you need to hear. Yeah, they need to hear the gospel. Is that what you're fixing to tell them? <laughs> no, we're going to talk about that after I vent on this politic thing, amen? <laughs> Being faithful. Being faithful takes courage. Being a mom, raising kids, maybe you homeschool your kids, have them in a Christian school, you're making payments that other parents aren't making because their kids are going to that free public school. Yeah, all these kind of things. I've been correcting them for years. I'm tired of correcting them. Don't get tired. Yeah. Amen? Right. <laughs> Repetition's good for the soul, my dad said. <laughs> Listen. When we talk about courage, we talk about faithfulness, it's in our everyday lives. That's where, it's, that's where we have to see it so we realize what God is doing and how much he's there with us. We look at it and say, oh, you know, it's just cooking and cleaning and keeping the house up. That takes courage. Be faithful. Amen. Ministry. I'm not trying to embarrass my wife. My wife loves laundry. Amen. Not everybody loves laundry. My wife does. I always wondered why. And I heard her share a testimony one time. And when she shared the testimony, it broke my heart. She'll sit down in front of the dryer, dryer finishes, you know, that nice, warm, fresh smell, amen, all that good stuff. But then she'll pull out Becky's socks. Starts praying for Becky while she's folding those socks. Pulls out my T-shirt and starts praying for me. While she's folding. All the family members, the clothes come out, the prayers are said. Listen, it takes faithfulness. It takes courage. It's in our everyday life. Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, what a joy it is to serve you. But, Father, we all know that at times we don't feel the joy. We feel the sorrow, the pain, the strife, the toil, the fear and anger, discouragement. Lord, help us, I pray, to remain faithful, to realize that, that any one of us and every one of us can be just that. In the life that you've given us, in the location that you've placed us, in the church that we're in, and the, with the physical talents and the spiritual gifts that we possess, with our person, our personality, our IQ, everything that makes us up as the person that we are, we can be faithful. Lord, help us to understand that it will take courage. Lord, remind us and help us to be reminded that you do reward faithfulness. And Lord, the joy that there is in serving Jesus. What a blessing. Bless our time of invitation, we ask and pray in Jesus' name.